Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the 115th edition of Cinema Effect. I'm Zach. I'm going to do it. And I'm, oh my God. And I'm joined by my Denis Dick Riders. <laughs> uh, we got Jaden, who's Dick, Dick Rider number one. And we got uh, Fitzy, who's Dick Rider number two. Although, actually, I should ask Fitzy, like, do you actually want to? This was Jaden's name. Do you want to actually associate as a Denis Dick Rider, or would you rather not? Yeah, sure. Are you happy to? All right. I'm a, yeah, I'm a Dick Rider, yeah. I'll, I'll take it. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be one as well. I'm number three. Should we rename the show to Denis Dick Riders? Or? For this episode, surely, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, d- okay. You think, yeah. so I should, this episode should be Sicario. Yeah, no Dick Riders yeah. episode yeah. one. Mm. And then we just go back to, and so actually next week is episode 115. Mm. So I should just redo the intro. Mm. No. No? All right. God damn it. All right, ladies and gentlemen. This is Cinema Effect, the podcast where we review and talk about a different movie every single Monday. And this week, that movie is Sicario, which opened in the US on the 2nd of October 2015. It was directed by Denis Villeneuve himself. Back at it again. I think it's his third time here. So uh, we have a bias, no doubt. Uh, his crime, yeah, right? Blade Runner and... Ah, um, oh, yeah, right. I forgot about Blade Yeah. And uh, what was the other one? Now I'm forgetting. Correct, very good. And it is a crime drama, and the synopsis says, an idealistic FBI agent, not Fitzy, is enlisted by a government task force to aid in the escalating war against drugs at the border area between the US and Mexico. Jane, I want to start with you. How many times have you seen Sicario, and what did you think this time? This is my fifth fifth time, I think, watching it. Wow. Holy. I didn't know that. Yeah, fatigue's definitely starting to set in. Um. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, look, this was my least favorite watch just because, you know, I am so familiar with the product at this point. Like, I think I first watched it, in, like, in 2017, so it's been five times in five years pretty much. Um, probably just a tad too much. Um, but, mm-hmm. and, like, that's why, like, I don't want to kind of, I can't really evaluate it on enjoyment because like, I was still fucking glued to the screen, but, like, when you're, when you're so, you know, um, privy on, on the details, you kind of do mm-hmm. lose a bit of that kind of uh, mysticism and kind of mystery um but this is you know regardless it's it's it's, it's fantastic um it's a, it's a very it's a it's a it's a fresh take not necessarily fresh fresh but like um it's a it's a fresh take on 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 a on a on a tried topic um and i think taylor sheridan does it fantastically um he i think we've spoken about him as a writer before on the show have we done have we done something that he's done surely Surely, sounds familiar. Yeah, I don't know. Well, anyway, at least it was just like a highlight. I don't know. Yeah, but yeah, he's he's fantastic as a writer. Denis is a director, and then obviously the rest oh. of the crew of Roger, and then the cast of you know Blunt, Benicio, Brolin, you know Daniel Kaluuya. And it's like it's 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 truly yeah. a nutty film, like like in 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 a, in, a, in a technical and and just in a storytelling and just you know everything sense. Oh yeah, dude. Could you want anyone better for like literally every single role in mm. this film? Like for real. I don't I couldn't conceive a better combination of people to create this thing. It's unreal. Um more I just want more Denis and Taylor collaborations, please. Because what a what a combo that we get here with this film. I freaking love this film. I um 
this is my second time seeing it, so I haven't got the fatigue that Jaden has, but I totally understand that. At the same time, though, Jaden, I'm sure you'd recognize that there's a reason you'd wa- you've watched it five times at the same time as well, you know? I think um, I think the first time I watched it, I watched it like three times. Um, I, th- I think I watched it three times in quick succession, actually. Like, Oh, okay. Within like two months of each other. Um, yeah. Yeah. God. I totally get it. Yeah. I mean, glued to the screen is the perfect way to put it. Just... Once again, I feel like we say this every time with Denis, but like he is just a next level filmmaker. I feel like when you're watching this thing, every frame is has so much thought put into it, and it, I, I don't know, but it, it just as the way it plays out, it just feels like a film that had intense storyboarding. You just sort of can see it um, as it's playing out because it's so crisp and so polished, and um, not not in the subject matter, but just in terms of technical aspects is all. Um, but the way it sort of shows, it tackles its themes and shows the grittiness of the characters and the world and the topic. It's so it's all it's all next level. I can't wait to break it down and get into the all the nitty gritty with it. But uh, Fitzy, how many times have you seen it, and what do you think? I think this is my second watch. I don't know. Yeah, okay. I think this is my second watch. Um, yeah, it's pretty good. No, it's it's pretty great. It's um, you know. <laughs> It's 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 you know very tense, very uh, very mysterious. I guess mm. I don't know what's happening most of the time, and I kind of figure it out. And it's kind of interesting, I guess. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's pretty good. Oh, so he's he's gone back to the original stuff. Pretty, pretty great. I don't know. I'm kind of yeah. so I'm, 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 I'm like I'm like in between the two. You know. Okay. Like, 50 yeah all right you're like a 7.8 7.5 yeah okay all right all right so may i ask what what holds it back from you sort of just unreservedly saying it's great it's awesome you know what i mean like is it is it an engagement thing like are are there do you have certain issues with the film we can get into or is it more just like it just doesn't fully connect with you as you're watching it sort of thing i have no idea like like i was engaged the whole time but like i just don't know yeah like, I've been thinking about it, but I, I can't, like, think of an answer why it's not, like, just fully, you know, the best thing ever. I, I asked just because this time I, I did feel sort of knowing the main beats, like, I, I can sing this film's praises all day, but just, like, it wasn't, like, an in, like I don't know, like a S-tier experience for me just because I do feel like it has um, untraditional pacing. I guess is untraditional. Yeah, that's a word. Um, I feel like the pacing's a bit weird. Like from you have your major, really memorable sequences, and some, and sometimes just the way they're sort of the way the story flows and they bridge together is does feel a bit weird. Like you sort of get a sort of from the forty minute mark to the hour twenty mark, it sort of does slow down a little bit. This isn't a major issue for me. It's just I, I was thinking about like why I didn't find it as memorable the second time, and that's sort of something I thought of, but I don't know if that. It's the same for you or anything, but but that's why I asked is all. Um, Jan, you mentioned that this is tried and true subject matter. I just wanted to ask what you meant by that. Oh, I mean, like, it's just the the drug war and kind of is like, and with, you know, between the Yankees and the South Americans and just any other Americans, really. Um, Right. Like, it's it's, a topic that's been covered before pretty extensively both in like documentary and fictional products Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I get that. I mean, it, it's very prevalent in many shows I watch, you know, like Medical Soul Breaking Bad, Ozark, so on and so forth. Like, it's very uh, prevalent in media, I think, these days. I agree. I just, I don't know. Do you think, just to get to the bottom of what you meant, because I'm curious, like, did you, do you think that the way in which it sort of discusses these ideas of the moral ambiguity of it all, like, do you think that's been done before? Because I've, I personally, I don't, think i've seen anything like that no and that's why that's right. why I went, that's why i said it's a fresh take because like it's, it's kind of because it does have yeah. this kind of spin on it that comes from taylor's writing and just painting everything in the darkest gray you can yeah um, yeah it also is a big thing to it's 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 interesting i was, I was gonna I was, something i was gonna bring up later like once we've kind of discussed it but i mean like you've kind of led into it now um but it's interesting seeing um, other people, um, namely uh, David Elric, the fucking guy from IndieWire, and he he his he in his review of it, he he talks about that kind of a like a romanticization of like the subject, and like I just think that if you think that this product is is any way romanticized, um, you just did not watch the movie that we did because I think this movie does a massive effort to en- ensure that any of their characters aren't seen in like the positive light that you that you would typically see in a, in like i don't know something like fucking narcos or breaking bad or whatever, I don't know, whatever. right um you know like even like del toro who's like kind of just like a mysterious assassin it ends up being like just the most violent and kind of very vile and like the sequel goes to salvage his character a bit but like you know, his act at the end goes a long way to ensure that this is not a character you can idealize and like just throw out like Brolin and just any of like the kind of US kind of um operations in Mexico. Like they just ensure that it's not seen in a positive light. What, what was what was he saying? Like what it specifically was romanticized? I can't even conceive of it. Uh, I, not that you need to pull it up, but like I just don't even, yeah, I can't even relate at all. It's so weird to me. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I mean, I feel like a lot of that's in the script. Um, I think Taylor's script is phenomenal. Like the way just little character interactions and dialogue that's just constantly inserted to drive these points home is all feels really natural and it's all super good. Um, th- there's, oh, I could go on and on. I, wrote, I kept writing lines. It just says notes, uh, little pieces of dialogue that I just thought were phenomenal. The way in which it tackles its morality is great. Denis just then comes in to this script that's already got that at its core and then just brings it to a whole new level with his direction and with the, the way he directs the actors in particular is just like, God, it's so good. It's unbelievable. I, I mean, in terms of the stance the film takes or lack thereof, I guess, why it's so interesting to talk about. I understand why the government wants, you know, major one major cartel in control and does shady shit to achieve that so they can control the war and the way everything progresses and and all of that and they want to eliminate they cut uh, cut off the head of the serpent as they say of the other rival cartel but then the whole film just does such a great job of you understand it um but you feel pretty uncomfortable to see how it's achieved and the gray of what everyone's going to do and especially for me what was driven home in this rewatch was Roland's performance throughout the film and his demeanor towards the whole thing. You yeah. know, he's very aware of exactly what they're doing 
of he, he, he seems like a guy who's thought it all through very comprehensively. Like he seems like quite a a smart guy, but he also is just he's totally more than willing to get the job done and doesn't really have much solace or much he doesn't he doesn't feel like his actions have much weight. He doesn't really take what he's doing that seriously in terms of he doesn't let it sit with him and dwell on it like you know Emily Blunt has to deal with throughout the entire thing. Like I for me the contrast of those two performances Brolin and, and Emily Blunt throughout the film and their clashes were a standout this time, I think. I think. Yeah. I think Brolin's like amazing. I think he's like the best part of the film. The way he just shrugs off everything that Emily Blunt says and it's just exactly. t- totally fucking like like a blank, you know, blank wall. It's just hilarious. I just totally. love the way he looks as well in this film. He's kind of like a bit, you know, a bit disheveled or whatever, but he's like, you know, pretty in control the whole time. Mm-hmm. Like he's kind of the I guess he's like the guy in that's in, in control of like these US operation, like the US side of it or whatever. Um, because the right. the other guy, like Guillermo, what's his name? Uh, Benicio is like, you know, the Mexican. Alejandro. Alejandro, yeah. He's like the Mexican guy. So, yeah. No, he is amazing. I love it. He is so smug. Brolin, that is so smug. Well, he's just walking mm. around chewing his gum. I love the detail that he wears thongs mm. <laughs> in the meeting. Like all these little things. Um, the, the way, one thing in particular, I love the way this was directed was the scene where Emily Blunt and um, uh, she walks into the to the brief for the first time before the border crossing sequence. She walks into the brief that's already the, the, the I guess, I don't know, the planning meeting where they've got the presentation going and she walks in halfway through with Brolin. And you feel the way Brolin interacts with the other people in the room, he has this camaraderie with them that's uncomfortable because they're all way too, they're sort of jokey. The way that then like Emily Blunt doesn't understand what's happening but they, they clearly all do and they're all in on it together and she feels totally alienated from the situation, the way that the actors perform it out. Um, and I feel as sort of in her shoes as the audience member, like th- these people, I don't know, they, they immediately right off the bat without knowing any details, I felt uneasy about the whole situation. So I thought that, that was a really good uh, scene as well, yeah. I also love how there was that one scene where Brolin was just walking around I think they were prepping him. He was walking around with his shirt off. Mm. You know, that was a little. That was a little thing I noticed. Where I'm like, this guy's like way too comfortable in this environment. You know, with what he's doing. But anyway. Um, but while we're on him though, because I totally agree, he's amazing. Um, having just completed Everest and exhausted, uh, Josh Brolin turned down this film. Cinematographer Roger Deakins sent him an email imploring him to join the project. Since it was uncharacteristic of Deakins to do that, Brolin changed his mind. He almost skipped this goddamn film. Yeah, I was. It was, I was they said they, they they talked about that quite a bit in the behind the scenes. Um, where like like he he didn't see the character in the script. It was, it, it, I think that that's what he said. Like he, he couldn't see the character in the script. So like it it took them talking to him and like it wasn't until he started filming that he saw like what he could like the value he can add and like what the character actually is. So like it's just like like he purely couldn't understand like where the value of the character came from and like in the scripts and like that's why he was like gonna pass on it and something like that. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. I mean, thank God. Mm. Who else could they have gotten? I don't know. Um, speaking of great, we got Benicio del Toro in this film. And he is 
mysterious. He is. I mean, the way was it you, Jen? Already? I'm sorry. Put it earlier with him, uh, where he has this mysterious element throughout the entire film, but then you sort of don't really know how to feel about him. You literally don't really understand who he works for until you learn that sort of. Um, and then his final scene. Well, not his final scene. I'm sorry. The scene, the dinner table scene. It's it's gnarly, dude. It's gnarly. I I'm so uncomfortable watching it. It's awesome the way it plays out. Like I don't know. I it, it really does just immediately show you that this guy. I don't know. He he's not righteous, you know. This guy just shot down these kids and this wife, and I was not expecting that the first time I watched it. I actually forgot that happened, so I wasn't expecting it the second time either. But I love the way that scene plays out. I think it's really powerful, actually. And the performance that the other guy gives, the other cartel guy, I don't know his name. Um, oh, it was like, the, just like Fausto or something like that. Yeah. Performance he gives um, when he's sort of sitting there facing across from Del Toro across the table and when he's like, you know, don't, don't do it in front of them. As in, he's just the whole time assuming that he only he's only going to kill me, obviously. So don't do it in front of them. And then the way that when he just pops them all, and then the the complete shock and dismay in his face, he can't even process it of what he's just happened around him in the twenty seconds or so before he's also killed was like really, really good. Mm. Probably my favorite scene in the movie. I don't know. Is it yours, Jaden? Probably not. Probably not. Yeah. What would be yours? I think um, probably the first journey into Pyrus, you know, and like the return, oh, yeah. I guess. Oh, my God. I mean, I don't know how much of that you want to include as one saying. You can probably like break it up into two parts of like the going into it and then the return. Um, yeah. The return's obviously spoken about because of the border crossing sequence, but like I think um, I think there's a lot to say about it and there's a lot to appreciate about like the, the journey into Pyrus and like the, the Johan Johansson score um, particularly adds so much to it. And seeing like looking like looking at the way that he crafted that and the way that they've integrated that into the film, um, and also Denny's comments about it is really interesting about like how this um it's it's, it's kind of globalist which I hate but like I mean like it it is what it is um but like he the way he talks about like the fact that it's the same landscape divided by an arbitrary line in that fence and the way that like the camera emphasizes that as they as they you know kind of make them move I think it's really interesting in that way um and then obviously just the tension that it crafts is fantastic I think um. The tension throughout the film is probably like some of the best that in, in a long time. I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah it's probably like the best tension piece. Yeah, I've I've seen in, a, in a, like just in general, like top three at least. Like at the at the very least, I can say about it. Yeah, yeah, dude, I totally agree. The I actually, I mean, I, I view the whole Juarez thing as sort of just one whole sequence. I actually really like the drive-in. Um, it's quite lengthy there's just a lot of long establishing shots but i don't know to me there's like nothing cooler than like a really cool like aerial shot with just the four black four-wheel drives just dr- driving Ooh. down the road you know it's just badass yeah it's awesome that the um the length of the length of the scene uh, like adds a lot to the tension just obviously because you know like you're, you're, you're always waiting for something to go wrong but like the fact that like the the way that camera holds for like just slightly too long in some scenes and like the way that it, it, it kind of tracks Emily Blunt and like you're very much in her eyes as, as it kind of yeah. as it's happening as you drive in there. Um and you know, you're looking at all the police vehicles surrounding you and you know, you've been told don't trust anyone. So each time 
one of them kind of seems to be a bit out of place. You're like, you're, you're just fucking yeah. Weird, you know, state police. They're not always the good guys. Yeah. yeah so um, yeah, yeah. That whole thing is sensational. Like, of course, the awesome shots, the awesome, oh, my God, the score. Like, I can just go on forever. I know Jaden can too. But then when we actually get into the town itself, like, that's when, you know, it sort of ditches the the longer shots and it sort of gets right in there in Emily Blunt's shoes. And you also, you also, the film throughout, but in that scene as well, sort of makes an effort to really um, show the perspective of the townspeople as well. Like there's that one shot I really like of the dude just trying to play tennis, and then, mm. all, and then all this starts happening sort of around them. I mean, the the main thing I guess that stood out for me was I'd also forgotten was the goddamn bodies hanging from the bridge or whatever it was under the highway or whatever. God, it's just uh, the whole and it's just so confronting, I guess, mm. and. Uh, that that's sort of the drive in. It's sort of building this tension, confronting, sort of seeing, well, getting a glimpse of what life is like in this place. And uh, I don't know, it's gnarly. And then it only gets like totally ramped up when, of course, the extraction takes place, and then it just turns into, a, I guess, an action sequence. After that, my personal favorite part of that whole thing is actually when the the spotter car, they, they suspect a spotter car, um, the blue vehicle tracking them, and the way that was shot of having it like Emily, through Emily Blunt's eyes and having the car, like she gets a glimpse of it and then she gets a glimpse of it and then it's gone and then you've got the guys on the radio. Oh. I do, yeah, I remember. So the spotter car was like the police car, right? And just disappeared. Yes. Yeah, that was pretty cool. What was your reaction to, obviously, we they get – into a traffic jam on the actual crossing of the border. And then that's when the whole, oh, I love this part too, the whole thing where it plays out, where it turns into a gunfight, but they suspect cars around them are um, hostiles, I guess. I guess they're just cartel dudes. I really love some of the dialogue here and like the emphasis on we must be engaged to engage. And then you see what happens, you know? The way, like, very literally in that moment, I found it was like, dude, that was a blurred line of being engaged, you know what I mean? And that's obviously Emily Blunt's issue with it. But, again, I understand, you know, like those, I mean, those guys came out, they were drawing their weapons, but I don't know, did they engage, you know? I mean, I'd say they would, but probably, uh, you know. He was out of the, dude, he he went to go race his gun, I mean, like, he should have dropped it straight away. I know, but then they also proceeded to just gun them all down immediately, like all of them, you know? I don't know. That sort of exemplifies the whole conflict of the film right there in that one moment, which I thought was awesome. Just brutal, just violent. Just shows you exactly what these people are doing. Why do they roll their windows down on the opposite side of the car? What's the reason for that? Because they put a big emphasis on that, like roll your windows down. On the right side of the car, when the like attackers are on the left side, of the cartel guys. It's probably some tactical thing. I don't know. I don't know. Like oh, you mean on, on Benicio's on Benicio's side of the vehicle, he rolls the windows down. Yeah. Oh, there's like that other guy as well. Like you know, the other guy in the film's like Matt or something. Oh, he's in the front seat. Yeah. Yeah, the front seat. He's like rolling windows down on the yeah. right side. Yeah, I don't know. Let's Google it. But regardless, that, that moment was pretty cool. Where it was like, 
Um, oh. Benicio was like to to Blanche. He was like, um, like don't stay in the car. And it was like, Roy went to and you're like, kind of like, what's happening? And yeah. Blanche just totally shocked the whole time. She has to like, kill a dude. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. The end. Yeah. I mean, yeah. She also like helps spot the car and stuff. But like, that's one yeah. of the most like shocking things that happens to her. So like shocking moments. One of the best like pieces of acting in the film. She's like, what are we doing here? I think she said something like that. Yeah, it was all slammed in the face, in her face, you know. It's like, must have been crazy. Another thing was like at the start, like the actual, the thing in America with the the, the bodies in the houses or whatever. Oh, sure, of course. Or, already at that point, um, Kaluuya's character like asks, like, is this by the book? And like when they choose who goes with them, they're choosing between Kaluuya and her, and they're like, oh, he's a lawyer. We don't want him. So that's why they don't take him. They're just, it'll take the girl, is what Brown says. Because, yeah. you know, she's more, less likely to ask questions, I guess, because she's not a, not a lawyer. And then, but Kaluuya does end up asking questions, and then Josh Brolin's visibly sort of frustrated at that, and then still only gives sort of a half-truth about the whole thing. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, that, yeah, that sums up sort of the US side of it all, is that they just want to don't ask questions. We know exactly what we need to do. We need everyone on this operation to be on our, on the same page, be willing to do what everyone else is willing to do and just get the job done, you know? Yeah. And that's why like the reveal is so great that like the only reason she's there is like legal. Yes. You know, technicality. It's sort of exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's messed up. Yeah. And then the, the way they, I mean, they recruit her by playing to her righteousness of, do you want to get the guys who who did this, who killed all those people in Arizona? She's mm. like, yeah, of course I do. Dude, they couldn't give a shit about that, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's a good setup, though, because, like, in a normal in a more normal movie, that would be the kind of motivating, you know, factor, you know. She had, like, this, this horrible thing happened. She wants to, like, you know, go to more extreme lengths, but then it turns out to be just totally, like, crazy. Like like when I this like this film's like when I found out like the CIA isn't like an like they don't work in America they have to work internationally unless like they need like that you know that unless they have that kind of um, partner like they say in this film like I always just thought the CIA was just like I don't know the FBI but different but no it's like yeah yeah I think the, the like all the all the um like the, the the way that all these like American agencies work and like the kind of superiority already complex of like each of them between like you know. CIA and FBI and FBI and cops and cops and detectives and all that shit. It's always interesting, you know. It's it's, it's like all this infighting is like I don't know. It's it's interesting. So you know, I wonder if like the ADF and the AFP are just like at each other's throats all the time as well, or like yeah. I mean, I guess they don't need to be. I mean, like fucking, what are we doing here? I don't know. Yeah, that's true. So I, 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 I want to go back to Brolin's character for a second as well, because like we, yeah. we kind of mentioned the fact like before he was like really like nonchalant and stuff like that. But also in like the scene where he's recruiting one, he, it does it, they, they do show that he cares somewhat in that like he does ask if like she has if she has a husband if she has kids just because he knows that they will be used against her or whatever so like he's aware he's aware enough of that and like you know like it's it's obviously like the bare minimum but like there, there, oh, okay. there is still like a semblance of like kind of like morality in him but like you know then later on we kind of just see like. It's like it's you know the, the complete opposite. I thought he was just asking that because he doesn't want to, you know, in fear of 
the mission being compromised. I didn't really interpret that as him giving a shit about her, you know? Well, I mean, like, it's both, you know? It's about the mission. Sure, okay. Like, I, I, I see yeah. it's both. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, no, I get that. I get that. I mean, speaking of just, like, little pieces of dialogue throughout the film, just sort of while we're, I don't know, well, we're not really there anymore, are we? But the Juarez uh, border crossing scene, the way that's all played with the, we've already talked about the shootout and stuff, but then after that, when the dude says, the guy that Fitzy said, I don't know his name, what was his name, the guy in the front? No, Matt. Isn't Matt, Matt Josh Brolin? Isn't that Matt? Oh, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, I think you're right. Wait, yeah, I think you're right. Um, yeah. Uh, the way he's just like when they're driving out, I mean, he's sort of a cocky asshole as well. And then he's sort of just like, it won't, it, this won't even make the papers in El Paso. Mm. It's like, what? <laughs> Dude, you just gunned down these people. Like, that's, yeah, that was like another big one to me where I was like, yikes. I guess that actually sums up the whole thing. Every every little detail like that in the film just makes me go, yikes. I think his name's Steve. 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 I mean, it's, it's similar to like what um, similar to what Signs of the Lambs did for like um, you know, for like in in the context of the FBI of just like you know a woman in a male dominant space. I think this film does it again twenty years later and shows that not much has changed. It's like, you know, Emily Blunt is the sole female character of the film. Excellent like, point. Showing how like just dominated she is in every conversation and how like kind of out of place she feels constantly and kind of you already mentioned it like the how it goes That's to alienate it. her in the in the meeting as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, the film does does wonders, just showing kind of that kind of side of the film. The the task force agency thing, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Gender inequality, yeah, 100%. Mm. Yeah, that just adds to it, sort of subconsciously, I think. So I'm not like actively thinking the film's trying to make a statement about gender or anything, but it, it totally adds to it though, because when we see the way she's constantly tested and sort of bro- broken down at the end, well, that's just another thing to stack on top of all the sort of everything she's had to endure throughout the story here. Not to mention it almost being choked out by John Bernthal, you know. Unbelievable. And for some reason, uh, on my first, I, I recall that the first time, that whole sequence in the bar and stuff being way longer than it was. I don't know why. Um, but that was another good sequence that I liked a lot. <laughs> I mean, I, it was probably a bit on the nose when, like, Daniel Coolio is like, um, oh, yeah, yeah, Reggie, yeah, he's a good guy. It's like, right, he's definitely not a good guy, is he? <laughs> you know, um, if I know anything about this film. But, uh, yeah, that whole scene was really tense where he started choking her out and stuff. It was really violent. It was actually their sort of hand-to-hand stuff on the ground was really good. I quite liked it. Quite visceral. But uh, Benicio saves the day, and my favourite part was when Josh Brolin just said, just write, you planned it in your report. Hmm. Like you, like you lured him here on purpose. That's another thing that was uh, like like that, that little detail of like um don't go in the bank and you know like you just exactly oh, yeah, like, it's, I don't yeah. Know, it's, it's, it's good. she's gets seen on camera gets seen on camera yeah. her righteousness she's like oh we can build a case on this yeah and I like the way no, like but... um just they link the scenes with like the little wristband thing you know it's just a great way to make the audience and both blunt and, like you know aware of the situation at the same time you know without it being like overly like. State without stating it as a, as like an obvious thing, you know. I was actually going to ask about that because I didn't I didn't get that. So why did why did she recognize the wristband? Because she I saw them at the it. she saw them at the bank. Like when like they when they dumped out the money from the bag, she saw like the wristbands. Were had like is like what bound like the right. theaters. So she saw that. 
I missed that part. Okay, so I, re- I recognise the wristband from the other scene where we where Diaz is in his home, you know. Mm, yeah. Oh, right. I remember it there, but I forgot about it. Yeah, okay, got it. Makes a lot of sense. Shout out to John Bernthal, by the way. Yeah. Didn't need to see him uh, get his goddamn ear molested like that, but, you know. <laughs> but there was another well, great line that Josh Brolin mm. had where he was like, you know, the great thing about you being beat up right now is that no one's going to notice <laughs> a few more scratches. It's like, holy shit. I like the tinge of comedy in that scene, just like in the way that you know his kind of. That's another, like um, Denny was saying in like the in, in, in like the features about like how it is a place like like it's it's the it, it is a some people won't like the place for comedy, but like it is the place it is because the subject matter is so dark. You kind of need to insert that little bit of lightness in it every just 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 so often just to kind of savor it a bit, I guess. Yeah, but um, I mean, lightness yeah. could probably be used. Uh... <laughs> A bit loosely there. Not okay. lightness, but like, know you know, exactly. like, like, yeah, like, uh, like that, that that element of comedy just like, you know, thrown in every, like, you know, that one line that's just there about, you know, I don't know, when they go into, you know, the whole, the, the no hablo inglés thing in like the, in the interrogation. Yeah. You know, shit like that. We haven't talked about the Mexican family. Silvio's family, I should say. Um, sort of a recurring thing throughout the film. I think Zack Snyder would be proud of it. But um, he, I totally forgot. I was honestly kind of shocked when he was get shot at the end by, actually, you know, forget what I said about the dinner scene earlier. That was the moment where I'm like, oh, no, Alejandro, no, why? Because I actually totally forgot about that. I sort of thought he lived, but that would, that would make the ending make no sense, of course. So... This was an inclusion I really liked. It only adds to support everything we've already talked about, but seeing this family live in this town, have to deal with this shit every day, just the way it's put together and, like, you know, the relationship with the kid and the way that pays off at the end. I mean, I feel like you can do an analysis of the whole soccer scene at the end because it's awesome as well, but I thought these are, this was a nice inclusion that really drove... The, the the stake into the heart, if you will. It's an important inclusion as well, because I mean, like, the film does so much to kind of make a villain of the city and kind of the police Good point. There. And like, it's like it is it is a very necessary thing to kind of counterbalance and, and ensure that the film doesn't go too far into like you know the Yankee hero's kind of point of view. Yeah. Um, yeah, because how do, how do you just throw Silvio in at the end in that kind of tunnel scene and that drive? It'd been very easy to just kind of like you know think oh it's just another corrupt player officer but like you see he cares you see he's he's kind of probably forced into it in a, in a way so like it's yeah a very very important part of the story as well yeah excellent point yeah because otherwise yeah without some of that stuff and it's not a lot of time spent with him but yeah you're right I wouldn't have when Benicio's got his got him a gunpoint at the end in the in the car I wouldn't have given a shit you know. So that does a lot, but yeah, the I mean, the whole ending scene is really powerful. I think it's it's great. This idea that the war just rages on forever, of course, but that that's pretty clear. But also, I don't know, just its consequences that you see his dad's death. You know, people have to, the you know these decisions that are made by these cartel leaders who can, you know, sit in their ivory houses and make kill orders, like we see that that. Uh, main boss guy does but also the same thing on the u.s side that josh brolin can you know get his orders and just do this shit and whatever but these are the people that have to live with the consequences of it you know 
have to they're on the ground they live here in this place that they get the brunt of all this and i thought the specific moment of all the gun firing going off and sort of pausing the game for a second and then, and then the the whistle blows and it's sort of just all right snaps back into it like oh yeah mm. shit this is just background noise for us so they're going to play world cup games in 2026 the us well north america is hosting the world cup and there's actually they're, they're actually hosting games in juarez um whoa which blows my fucking mind um because I was, I was talking to I was talking to mates about it a few weeks ago. I was like, players are going to get shot leaving the hotel. Um, but like... Um, Decapitated and hung off the bridge. Yeah, but I was having... Because um, in the behind the scenes, I, um, the, yeah, there's actually like quite a few like officials from Juarez that like they that they worked with in the film. Um, just for like, you know, authenticity and details and just like kind of portraying it in a respectful, like accurate manner. But also like, what, like one of them was like, he was like the vice chairman of some like something important. And he was saying like how... They're trying to make it like they like they are very like trying to consciously like make an effort to kind of reduce the violence. And I was having a look before, and like they, they it seems they have already. Where like it says like the the violence is still there, but it's mostly like driven to like the outskirts and like the poorer parts of town, and like kind of central part is is a lot safer. Still not very safe. It says like travel in large groups to ensure that you're like you know kind of not alone. But like the kind of like random oh violence that we see in this film is kind of you know, a product of five years ago, six years ago type of thing. Oh, well, that's good. I mean, that's significant change in that period of time. Mm. So I'm happy to see that. But yeah, no, don't worry, guys. This place is safe. There's actually a travelling groups of at least eight people. Yeah. <laughs> eight oh, my God. Poor old mate Silvio's son has to deal with this shit for the rest of his life, you know. I love that particular little moment where he reaches for his gun, Silvio's gun in his room, and Silvio's like, never touch that. But guess what? He probably will, won't he? After this, and that's the sad thing. It's like it kind of reminds me of On Sunday a bit. It's got similar kind of themes of like you know revenge and like um, recurring like violence and that kind of thing. Yeah. Mm, yeah, Denis loves his cycle of violence thing. You know, like prisoners on Sunday. This. Mm. Oh, prisoners! Yeah, very good point. Yeah, and uh, not any. Um, I don't know. I think it's in like a few. I remember like watching, looking at analysis of it, and like it's, it's in quite a few of these films. Yeah. Dune is actually the same thing. <laughs> mm. yeah. When discussing the score with composer Johan Johansson, director Denis Villeneuve said he wanted the sound of a threat. Uh, the one film Villeneuve used as a comparison was director Steven Spielberg's Jaws, which is an interesting comparison. Yeah, that was, that was straight from the uh, behind the scenes. On the they call it a pulse from the desert, and I think there's nothing more accurate to describe like yeah right it does just feel like this deep undulating oppressive just kind of thrumping beat that he yes. kind of uses as a motif and is, I, I think it's fantastic you know i think johansson is is, is is brilliant and like his work that he's done with Villeneuve is, is 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 awesome and like i think we're robbed in that we didn't get a blade runner school from him like i know he stepped back and said that this isn't his place you know the, it's, a, it's a loud film and that's for someone like hans but I think he would have done so fantastically on on a Blade Runner on the Blade Runner score. I agree, and it's just unfortunate. Obviously, his untimely passing it sucks as well. And uh, yeah, yeah. I want to rewatch Arrival to he- to hear his score specifically because I don't really recall it. But I'm sure it's also awesome. two two films that he in 2017, both Mother and Blade Runner, are two films that he said, "No, the film would be better without me." Like, like that's such a 
it's such a like a it, 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 I don't know it's, it's such an awesome move that he can recognize that I think like you know it's <laughs> not many people are going to turn down that kind of thing and I think it's no yeah I think, I think it's fantastic yeah especially if like someone who was on the rise like him it's not like oh he was rolling in it and he can turn shit down you know what I mean. Mm. Oh my god! Like I, I, I can you go on. It's the score's prevalent throughout the entire film, and it's phenomenal. But specifically, that one shot of the soldiers in silhouette walking with the sun, and they they walk down below the horizon, and the it's like it's the most badass thing I've ever seen. I was drooling as that was what as that was playing out on screen. It was like unbelievable. I couldn't believe how good sh- that shit was. I mean, it's also just like such a, like, it, it, it's a straightforward, like, kind of thematic, like, use of, like, you know, like, they're, they're now dipping below the line of, like... Exactly, you know, exactly. Like, yeah. yeah. 100%. But it's so cool. It's so cool. Um, and and the, the final score as well, the ha- it was pretty haunting as well. And it was mm. sort of... Well, it was different, right? It wasn't the regular motif the film had used. No, yeah. And, like, that's something that, like, it was something else they talked about. Like, you know, like, they balance it with this, like, kind of melancholic strings throughout, like, when it needs to be that kind of quieter kind of pensive moment yeah and i mean that that's the same thing for i can't believe we haven't even really talked about the opening scene just the oh my god the friggin the whole thing but the specifically the opening seconds of the drive and being in the camera on emily blunt and the score and cutting in and outside of the van like dude that that is so my shit that is like actually was made for me the way that was put together it's just awesome oh and when the yeah of course and when the friggin van comes through the wall Oh yeah, that guy's on his Xbox. His Xbox. <laughs> Dude, imagine if that happened to you. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Although I don't know how that guy could. How could you stand being in that house? Wouldn't it just smell horrific? Yeah, that's what, that's what I was like. I was surprised they only smelled it once they tore down the walls. I was like, sure. Right? Yeah, no. It's, yeah, that's true. That's yeah. That's a bit weird. I mean, is Roger's cinematography even worth mentioning? Not really. It's just it's that good. Like you just gotta watch. If you've seen the film, you know. Yeah. You know. Like it's, it's once again, it's like kind of standard like stuff like that. Kind of like it's kind of like cine- cinematography one one. But like um, they went like they did a good deal about talking about like um the use of like using light to kind of show like you know both like the good and bad in people. So like in that opening scene, like in the van, like they constructed a set of like a fake van because they're gonna do in like a real thing where like the kind of light beams kind of like pass over each face each character's face is like to kind of show like you know their good intentions but like once again going into darkness type thing um (laughs) but yeah you know like it's it's standard roger stuff like just playing with the light and just in the most fantastic ways yeah Um, it's standard roger stuff you know just the best shit you've ever seen (laughs) pretty much bro i disagree this movie looks fine this movie doesn't look like no country for old man looks 50 times better than this film it's just there's oh no really this film looks fine it's not it's not amazingly shot or anything oh i totally disagree that's called the symbolism that jane brought up but you know the actual composition isn't anything like awesome if it was i'd love this film a lot more i feel like really yes yeah no i, I disagree with you as well okay yeah. i'm okay with that like big time the coloring is also insane because like you know that scene where like she's she's smoking and like she goes like she gets taken on the roof to, like look at the thing like they shot oh, that. That's in another like, great shot. Yeah. Like they shot that in almost like just like broad daylight, like in the, like um and like they've just coloured it to look like you know like a dusk type like type of thing. Oh, it looked amazing. Yeah, I, I thought like it, yeah, it looks great like that. Yeah, that was another great moment actually, where you see the chaos that they've left in the town mm. with all this exploding and shit. What are you gonna do? I was gonna ask you, Fizzy, did you 
what was your reaction to the actual sort of last scene where Emily Blunt and Benicio face off and he asks her to sign it because Oh yeah. That, that was, was very pretty, good. Like yeah. you tell she didn't want to sign it and she was you know, she was debating with yourself what to do. I mean he either she either like tries to kill him or doesn't, I guess. So it was pretty epic. I think that was also a, a, another cool thing in that, like, um, Del Toro tells Blunt that she reminds him of his daughter, but, like, that's not true because, like, she's obviously, like, way too old to, like, you know, like, actually, like, be an indication of it, of her daughter. Right. It's, 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 um, like, I think what Sheridan says, it's, it's, um, is that, uh, he, she reminds him of, like, his old innocence as a prosecutor and, like, just someone that's, like, not, you know, like, muddied by this world yet. And like that's what that's why he's attached to her because like he because he can see he can see that innocence because you know he finds that daughter character mm-hmm. in the second film obviously um, in in Isabella Mona. Um, oh yeah, but, right. Yeah, but um, yeah. So like that. like in these in in, in like um, yeah. It's, it's 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 strange that he tells her that it it's a reminding of the daughter, whereas like it's meant to be like you know like um, yeah, a reminder of his of his old innocence. Yeah. When he specifically says, like, when he first says you remind me of someone important to me, I figured he meant his wife. But um, but then that's not true. And he mm. goes on. But, um, yeah, that was interesting. I mean, the whole that, – that was what made that scene particularly um, compelling to me was the fact that he, he clearly cares family blind. He saved her life. He speaks highly of her. He checks in on her multiple times. Like, probably the person that is most conscious of her and her well-being on the team. But then at the end, he, you know, he still very much puts a gun to her head, tells her to sign, you know. Mm. He shoots her earlier as well in the time. Yes, scene. yes. No, I mean, he shoots her just like, like he is aware that she's wearing body armor. Though. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like it's a, it's, a, it's a very non kind of you know, thing. Yes. Very much like a, yes. like a shove, like just get out of here. But um, what were they, what was like the objective in like the tunnel scene? Other than, like, what was Josh Brolin saying was the objective? Because obviously, like... It's literally to get right. Alejandro behind the lines and to get Alejandro to um, yeah. kind of get him to... to I realise that. But I'm just saying, like, what did Josh Brolin say to, like, his team? Yeah, what did they like, think was the objective? I yeah, agree. Right. He, 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 said, he, said, he said our objective is to insert an agent behind lines. So, but, so why was that shocking to Emily Blunt? Yeah, because he because Josh Brolin says to Emily Blunt, you went down a tunnel that you shouldn't have. Because I think it probably wasn't the way that she was expecting or something like that. He says multiple would times, he, we're a like, What would he say? To, or what did he say to Emily Blunt? Like, what was, like, the objective? Well, she got she the same was. briefing. Like, 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 well, we see her walk in on the briefing late, so she's probably just still trying to piece together, like, what's going on. But, like, like we hear him say, and, like, Emily Blunt is in the room, so, like, we're, we're meant to assume that she knows as well. It's, it's but she definitely that. doesn't know, because when she walks in on Alejandro... No, but she does know, because she... She sees which way she's meant to go, and then she chooses to follow Alejandro because she wants to see what's happening. It's not that she's shocked as to as to what he's doing. It's it's it's, it's she knows what it is, and she's just shocked to see like what he's doing. Oh, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, man. But like, it's it's I a think, shock. I think it's the shock just, you're thinking of. Really, I just think it's like a like a shock, a surprise. That's what it feels like. Because she knows that he's breaking off, but I think she doesn't. She doesn't know like what he's breaking off for. It's kind of like the same with the rest of the movie where it's just like... I don't think he, she even knows that he breaks but, off. I think she just walks down the wrong place and then just finds it. No, she... Because 
she um so that's the thing with like so like with the cameras as well when they're shooting in darkness another thing is like um they they use like the the standard green night vision to show like characters she's like trust like like daniel kaluuya but she they use that kind of infrared kind of like high contrast thing when it's on like the cia agents because like that she just doesn't because like you know just like kind of show them in that bit more of like a shroud so she sees that agent walking away she knows that that's Alejandro, and she chooses to follow him instead of being part of the distraction that they're meant to be with she knows what's happening i don't think she does because like at the end josh brown's like explaining it to her and they're like having it back and forth when no, she gets back ex- out she's like what the hell she's she's like comes out of the tunnel and she's like she yells at josh brown she's like what the hell are we doing there you know that's like what she says, and then Josh Brolin like explains it to her. Says you weren't supposed to see that. You weren't supposed to know what was actually happening there. No, it, like he says that, but I think he says that to kind of smooth it because, like, because she's threatening to to kind of take it to, like to to make it public. So he's just trying to kind of yeah, say that to smooth it over. But they she was just... doing that beforehand, so that indicates that she like she learned something in that tunnel. Yeah, like she, yeah, but she like it's. She learns something, but it's not it's it's not what you think she learns. She she knows that Alejandro is breaking off. It's just like she doesn't know what for. But my she, she my knows it's an agent insertion. She just doesn't know why they're inserting the agent. My point of confusion is what does she learn then? I don't understand like what she sees that is so like she just literally sees them loading the car, right? Well, it's probably the fact that he's going to take Silvio captive and kind of use him. I don't know. Right, and, and did he actually? He did kill the other guy. Yeah, I don't know. I'm a bit muddy on that too, Fitzy. I'm sort of with you. I wasn't exactly clear on what the intention was with the scene of where what, what my understanding was meant to be of what Blunt understood or not. The border crossing scene was one of the most complicated parts of the production. It took so long to shoot that a full scale replica of the Juarez border crossing was built. Uh, shooting at the real location would have required days of road closures, which would obviously not be practical. How do you build yeah. a replica of the border? What the hell? That's nuts. Well, it's, it's actually like much smaller because, like the 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 actual like border for like the like where like the El Paso Juarez crossing, it's like fourteen lanes of like just traffic, just oh, constant traffic. Right. So that did that. So they pared it down. They made it like a smaller kind of like um scale, I guess. But yeah. And they also couldn't, like, they didn't shoot in Juarez, obviously, because it's too dangerous that they shot in, like, somewhere in New Mexico, something like that. Yes. Okay. Let's get to our final verdicts for Sicario. Another nine. I think it's my third week in a row of a nine. Um, wow. Is it? Um, oh, yeah. we've, just, we've just reviewed some strong films recently. Um, probably, Back like, my, yeah, probably like my fourth favourite Villeneuve film. But, I mean, like, that's subject to change because they're all so very close you know i think like my top two is pretty solid but then like third through to like seventh maybe even eighth they can swap around easy well so it's blade runner and um what's your other sunday oh yeah excellent you know what i'm gonna give it a strong eight and i was sort of i don't know it feels a bit wrong in a way i feel like a nine is sort of where i feel in my heart but at the same time, this conversation honestly has sort of revealed to me that while there's so much amazing to say about the film, I really, really like it. I think it's an achievement. I think you should watch it. But everything that we sort of break down all sort of just does come back to, and this isn't necessarily, there's nothing wrong with this, but everything, all the details do just come back to the same core idea 
that the film is trying to represent, which is great, but it just makes for like, I don't know, I feel like it made for a bit less of a conversation, interesting conversation than I was hoping for, maybe. So I don't mean to review this podcast, but I guess, I know, and also just, yeah, I, I agree with Fitzy on sort of some of the plot things being a bit weird to me. So we'll give it a strong eight. Why not? Yeah. All right. So we've got another example here of this podcast changing my score a little bit. What about you, Fitzy? Seven. Um, it's good. It's cool. You know, it's not amazing. Let's get into news chat. Jaden, did you watch either of the Monsters or Rings of Power trailer? Fitzy, which one do you want to start with? Mm, I mean, Lord of the Rings, I guess. All right, all right. Let's get into Rings of Power. What did you think of this trailer? I thought it was stunning. Yeah, it was. some of the shots were actually pretty amazing. Like, there was this one shot that was like, holy shit, it looks like, like... It was like a background shot of, like, the Elf Kingdom or some shit, like... Oh, yeah. Genuinely awesome. There yeah, were a few yeah. like that, I thought. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I was, like, doubting, like, the production design at first from, like, the original trailer or whatever, but this this trailer showed, like, a lot of, like, amazing-looking, like, sets and, oh, like, CGI or whatever. Yeah. yeah. This was the first time This was the first time I've seen this show and, and believed in its budget and believed that, oh, this looks incredible. Like, this actually does look theatrically like this doesn't look like TV anymore. Whereas I feel like I felt that way about some of the other trailers we'd seen. Um, I do, I'm just curious. We'll have to wait and see the show. I'm just curious as to whether that's a product of them using their best shots or a product of like they've actually they've had more time to work on it and it is actually better. I don't know. Um, only time will tell. But yeah, no, I, I thought this trailer was the best look we've had at it so far. It got me the most excited. I mean, I don't know anything about the story, but it looks it looks fantastic. It looks expansive. It looks like we're gonna there's gonna be a diverse cast of characters in this cool ass world, and I'm all in. So I'm keen for it. Yeah, no, yeah, it's definitely the best trailer. I think it's yeah, it's gonna be like interested in it now. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It felt like the thing that excites me about it is that I'm not super into Lord of the Rings, but like. With Peter Jackson's films, I'm always very interested in like the look and the feel of the world, and always wanted to sort of. I always feel like I only scratch the surface of, like you know, time spent on screen in that world, and there can be so much more done, and so many more places to visit, and all that sort of stuff. And I feel like I'm just gonna I'm gonna get that. So that's exciting. Yeah. So yeah, journey back to Middle Earth very soon. Oh yeah. September first or second September second. Damn. Very, very soon. All right, Liam, let's just do it. The Munster's trailer. What the hell was that? Why did you even bring... Why did you even watch this? Like, this is like... It, came, it, came, it, was, it was talked about for some reason. It sort of came to my attention. Did it? Yeah. Because yeah. it's kind of like a... It looks very, very low budget. Like, it's it looks like not. something you would not... That's the thing. That, I think that's why it has attention. Oh, okay. Interesting. It looks it looks very purposefully yeah. like weird or like purposefully kind of you know awful yeah like purposely bad I guess it does that's what's so confusing about it is because the word around in the moment I feel like this has to be a joke like this has to be a bit that someone's on the production is pulling to give it attention or it's like a it's like a clever PR move or something but the word is that this film has a thirty to forty million dollar budget. And if you'd asked me what the budget was looking at the trailer, I would have said $10,000. 
it's one of the worst looking things I've ever seen in my life. The film, dude, the, it, the scenes don't look lit. What? Mm. Hold on, I need to see this now. You, you need to see it, Jan. And you I need to know. hear I it for the acting. Look, they look like interesting in a way. Like they're not. Oh my god! There's something going on there. No, it's, really. it's not just bad lighting. I don't think. I think there's something going on there. I mean, maybe like, something going money, on. Where's all the money go? <laughs> That's what I'm wondering. I think it was colorful. Catering? Maybe uh, I think so, some of the act, some of the actors are all right. I don't know. Maybe they dude. The acting was awful. But yeah, maybe, that's probably maybe purposely bad direction. Dude, are these dogs? Do you hear these dogs? I hear the dogs. Yeah, they upset about the monsters trailer as well. Wait, yeah, how long ago was this fucking trailer? I can't find it. They go on like this for like two minutes, and then they just. It, stop. It's the monsters, is in M U N S. Yeah, yeah, you got it. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, you're good. I couldn't believe it. I mean, maybe it's interesting, and they're trying to do something cool for like. I don't know, like a oh, no, Jaden J- loves Rob Zombie, so maybe he can, he can explain it. You, you love Rob Zombie, so maybe yeah, you can give it. us some insight. <laughs> this thing is designed for such a niche audience that doesn't exist anymore that it's going to just flop. Do, uh, I don't know, man. Like, like I hate Rob Zombie, um, just straight up. Um, <laughs> but, like, I can see what he's trying to do with this product, and I admire it, but, like, it's... It, it doesn't have a place in the modern... I mean, I mean, if, who knows? Maybe I'm very wrong. If the studio thinks it has a place, maybe it does. Um, but, like, this... To kind of so faithfully try and recreate its original aesthetic, just colorized, is interesting. Um, it's not oh, built for the modern audience. It <laughs> it's, it's, it's not built for the modern audience, and I don't think enough of that old audience is exists anymore or is interested enough for it to kind of do well um i don't know man this this yeah this that mm. any theories on where the budget went i think i think i think those sets are misleadingly expensive no 30 to 40 million dollars I, I reckon a lot of it goes to that a lot of it would have gone to makeup a lot of it would have gone to paying actors as well honestly um okay i don't know how much was Sicario made on? I don't know. <laughs> it's got to be less than a hundred million dollars. Thirty million. Sicario was thirty million. Yeah. There you go. That's all I bet. Case closed, everyone. That's all you need to know. That's enough of that, guys. That's enough of that. Let's get into our highlights of the week. Fitzy, what have you been watching? JFK. I watched JFK. I watched it on the. Uh, I watched it on the car trip back. On the Make you watched it. it with like all the sun glaring on the screen. Yeah, on my phone. Fucking David Lynch. Now you watched it on your phone? Gaming. Yeah. Oh, I don't have anything else I watched on. No, no, I was just I was just thinking of the David Lynch thing. Yeah, he's fuming right now. Yeah. Um Yeah, JFK is, is really good. Um It's very it's crazy. It's like uh reminds, reminds me a bit of casino and just like all these like different like score and like soundtrack like like overlapping with each other and like crazy editing and like it's just totally like coked out for like you know three hours three and a half hours um jesus is that long yeah but it feels like two minutes out because it's awesome because it's there a director's cut as well jfk is there because i watched it on netflix and it was like three hours 25 and the Runtime says three hours nine minutes when I look it up, so I think I might have watched that. 
potentially. Oh, okay. Cool. Well, maybe that's just long credits. I don't know. But um, yeah, it's really great. It's like uh, the ultimate like like paranoia, like conspiracy movie. Um, old mate, what's his name? Kevin Costner's there. Oh, yeah. He's pretty epic. Um, he's like the solid, you know, American hero guy, he's bringing down the system, and it's fucking, it's it's, it's legit insane absolutely not as crazy yeah so you watched the three and a half hour version i think so if there's a three and a half hour version yeah there's a three and a half hour version and a three hour and nine minute version yeah it's like three hours like 20 or something 25 sounds like you watched the director's cut Jaden, what about what about you bro i watched the Cell, which is a film from the two thousands about a from two thousand from about a kind of um it's a it's a serial killer kind of detective uh, affair with the uh, caveat that like they use dream technology to find out information and like the film's kind of split in there's kind of two very different parts where like in the real world it's very reminiscent of like. I don't know, just any kind of 90s detective kind of procedural, you know, you know, the type. Um, um, but then in the dream world, it's kind of very uh, odd, at the, you know, to say the least. Um, the dream world is really cool, but, like, it, it, it feels very limited by the, you know, by the time and budget and kind of, like, just technology of, like, you know, when it was made. Because although it's meant to be like this kind of dream state, that each that each kind of scene in the dream feels very um, confined to like this kind of one room type setting. Um, some of them are a bit more expensive, but even like then, it's kind of bland. Um, it's still cool. It's a it's a cool premise. It's a it's an interesting kind of you know it's 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 I guess like it's similar to Inception where you kind of go into a dream to kind of get ideas about stuff or whatever. That's cool. It, cast isn't really too amazing uh, vincent d'onofre is there which is good i guess um i think vince vaughn's there as well which is he, he does all right i like um, vince vaughn i'm a fan of vince vaughn yeah but uh j-lo is the, the lead and we don't really like her so that was unfortunate wait who's we huh but you like j-lo you don't like j-lo nah okay all right let me let me read out her filmography and tell me tell me tell me to stop when i say a good film all right, well, Hustlers, okay. all right. ice age four Ants, Marry Me, Out of Sight, Home, of Anaconda, sight. The Cell, The Wedding Planner, Ice Age Collision Course, What to Expect When You're Expecting, Made in Manhattan, I'll, I'll let that one slide, Monst- Monster in Law, Jersey Girl, like these, these, like these just, I mean, like she's, dude, she's, she's, she's not a good actress. Dude, bro. Ice Age Collision Course is a banger, bro. Are you kidding me? Out of Sight is actually a good film. You should watch that film. Out of Sight? All right. Yeah. People Hustlers. like Hustlers, don't they? Yeah, yeah Hustlers is a good Yeah, film. but Cardi B isn't it, so it's not a good film. <laughs> wow, that's brutal. Oh, yeah, I just like Steven Soderbergh. That's why you like it. I like it it's a good film, too. Yeah, but the the reason you gave it a chance is because it's Steven Soderbergh, right? Oh, and George Clooney. Oh, and Vaughn Rames. And Don Cheadle. Oh. Wow. <laughs> that's stacked. Oh, awesome. Viola Davis, dude. Louis Guzman, jeez. Yeah. On the watch list. Bang. <laughs> That's going to make Jane a convert on J-Lo. 
All right. So I uh, I finished rewatching every episode of Obi Wan Kenobi. So if you guys don't mind, I'm just gonna sit here now and review every episode again. Do you, you, you happy with that? I'm fine with that. Excellent. Thank you so much. So so episode one opens on a no. I, I watched um uh goddamn Hunt for the Wilder People. Need a help on the Taika Waititi filmography there. So I'm making some progress. And uh, this was the main one really that was standing out for me that I hadn't seen yet. And yeah, it's all it's awesome. It's great. Check it out. It's good. It's like easy recommendation, very charming. It's that uh it's Sam Neill and that annoying New Zealand kid who's in every commercial in the woods hanging out. You know what I mean? So like if you're into that, you're into that. If you're into Taika humor, you're into it. It's oh, really can cool. we talk about how bad Thor Love and Thunder is though? <laughs> no, because we talked we did that last week. That movie was so shit, so terrible. Bad? You think it's really bad? Really like, joke you, after you, joke after joke. The Iron movie didn't take itself seriously. Oh, it was a oh, it was definitely a comedy, no doubt about yeah, it. Yeah, it was a comedy, but it was just like they they marvelled too close to the sun. You know, it was just too many too many fucking quips, oh, way yeah. too many quips. You're not alone. It's quite a divisive film, to my understanding. Mm. Anyway, yeah. thanks for hijacking yeah. me. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, so we got, yeah, Sam Neill, he's great. I mean, Sam Neill's great. The the dynamic between the two is awesome. I just love, like, hanging out in New Zealand for a little bit. I sort of really just enjoy going back to Tiger's Roots and, you know, seeing him really. I mean, this was sort of felt like a natural evolution from Boy in that it's very much still feels like an independent film, but you got these big, fairly, you know, big-name cast people and he's clearly got a budget. Um, because there's an incredible CG boar that just blew me away. I'm like, dude, how did they get a CG boar that looks that good for like a New Zealand government funded film? You know, I was like, wow, that's crazy. So yeah, no, it's good. Check it out. I highly recommend it. Taking inspiration from the uh, the Revenant. That's right. That's right. He did direct inspiration. Yeah, I mean, it's basically actually the same film as the Revenant because they get all lost in the wilderness and shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, except it's New Zealand and there's a bunch of, like, Kiwi people that make quips and stuff because it's Taika Waititi. And it's not boring, was it? It's definitely not boring. Oh, good. No. Not like the Roman my fa- my fa- As always, we'd love you to submit your questions, thoughts. Oh, shit, no, hang on, that's the wrong one. As always, now we hand the show over to you, that question of the show last week. We asked you, who was your favourite hitman in, uh, in film and shit, in TV? Aiden said, Jules Winfield who's Samuel L. Jackson in Pulp Fiction, for everyone out there who definitely wouldn't remember his name. Um, Luke said, my answer is Jules as well, although I do like the confused Travolta meme. Haven't seen John Wick. Maybe I will if you do the series. We totally should do the series. What a great idea, Luke. Thank you. That's that We're doing that, actually. I'm just executive order. We're doing that. Wait, Let's do we have a series lined up? We do, but after that. Mm. So, yeah, very good, Jules. I actually did it. If you, I didn't know before the Discord, before you guys popped in there, I didn't know that Jules was a hitman. I mean, I don't really remember Pulp Fiction, to be honest with you, so I should probably revisit that. I feel like everyone remembers it, except me, you know? I feel like everyone loves it, remembers it, thinks it's a classic. I really like it, don't get me wrong, but, like, I just don't remember it. Except when they talk about the, the Netherlands. The Royale with cheese, that's great. I love that. Um, Andy said, both Jules and Vincent would ideally be my favourite, but those aren't my real answers. Whoa. My favourite hitmans. Uh, actually, you, you know, you did grammatically correct, Andy. You did do the brackets. I just wanted to read it like you can't spell. Um, my favourite hitmans are actually the musician assassins from Kung Fu Hustle. Just thought I'd change it up a bit with a different duo. I think you podcasters would have remembered them. 
Do? Nah, I don't. No. I don't remember. Mm, I, still, I don't remember anything about that movie. Mm. That movie sucked. Why didn't I give it a three? Okay. <laughs> Uh, let's get into our answers. Jane, did you find yours? Kind of, I guess. Like, um, I've got here sitting uh, as a Tetsuo Phoenix Tetsu Honda from Tokyo Drifter, but I'm not 100% sure he is a hitman. He's just like kind of like an enforcer. So, like, just for uh, safety, I will say Leon the Professional from um, Leon the Professional is my favorite hitman. And we got uh, Fiji, what's your answer? Anton Sugar. From No Country for Old Men. That's my answer. He's pretty intimidating, man. Come on. It's pretty good. It's true. It's true. He uses the goddamn... The thing that just looks like a tire pumper, you know? To kill people. Oh, it's the cow thing. Whatever that is. That's pretty gnarly. It's messed up. That's the scariest part. I mean, he uses, like, uh, everything to kill people. He uses it. Telephone cord. Does the cow thing was the scariest though? Yeah, that was pretty. That was pretty horrifying. Uh, my answer is Ray Shoesmith from Mister In Between. Not even close, dude. Are you kidding me? Not oh, close. I about like a... Not even close. Um, but if I had to say somewhere else close, I guess it's like, yeah, John Wick. Sure, uh, dude. What was Lee and Cleef in? Uh, in Good, Bad, and Ugly. What, what is he a hitman? What's his thing? No, yeah, that's what I was, I was trying to think. Like, cowboys, you know, I was like, uh, they're all bounty hunters, really, because, like, that's what they're doing. Right. They're just collecting people for money. I was like, but a cowboy is different to hitmen, to bounty hunters, to assassins. But we, we did agree that we'd count bounty hunters last week. Yeah. I don't so know if that was I, on I, air I probably, or not. Yeah, yeah. But Lee Van Cleef, Wait, maybe. Is he Lee Van Cleef? Is he the bad or the ugly? He's the, the bad. bad. The bad. Right. Uh, but, yeah, no, dude, it's Ray Shoesmith. Are you kidding me? I thought you were going to say who? Mike from Breaking Bad, Medical Soul. Oh, Mike. Yeah, Mike. Do you think Mike's a hitman? I don't think so. Isn't that really what he is? No, I don't think so. Mike oh. from Bell's Sword is whole. No, I really, I, w- I would disagree. Hmm. He's like a, he's like an, he's like a, what is he? He's like a hired, he's a hired gun. Is that not a hitman? No, because he's never. That's literally a hitman. No, because it's not. He's not. He's not contract based. We've got to go back to that. But what do? You, what do? You, so hold on. A hired gun. What do? What do you think they get paid with? A contract man. Like they're, they're, as a pro. No, 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 no. no. He's not. You know, he's not. Dude, he gets. Mike gets health benefits. He gets salary. And a hitman. He's described as a hitman. I think in Breaking Bad, he's definitely a hitman. Maybe it changes. I, I don't know. I watched his Soul Origin. I wouldn't call him a hitman, but maybe, maybe I'm wrong. He's a hitman. He had his whole origin story, which is great, by the way. But what does that have to do with it? He later on he's a hitman. I don't think he is. Does, does he? Who does he kill? That's, that's I don't know. He kills people. I don't know, someone. Oh, don't get me wrong. I definitely know he's killed people, but I don't think he's ever killed anyone on a contract basis. You know. Oh, he works for. Uh, he works for Gus. Oh, we know. We know who he works for. No doubt. Yeah. He's definitely killed someone for money. Oh, I know he's killed people for gas. I know. I've seen it on screen. I'm just saying. I don't know if that counts as a hitman. Uh, I think it does. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, all right. Fine. I'll, I'll concede. And Mike's a very good answer as well. Dude, I definitely thought you were going to say Mike. I also thought last week 
By the way, Ambulance is not my second favorite. That was, that was a joke. But um, I definitely thought last week that Jaden would say Dunkirk for his answer. Is that not a city? Yeah, yeah, true, fair. I didn't even think about it. I was like, I looked yeah. at Dunkirk and I was like, it's not a place. <laughs> <laughs> it's a movie. Dunkirk's just a beach, bro. Yeah. yeah. Dunkirk's a, it's, Dunkirk's a feeling, you know, it's a. Mm. It's an experience. Mm. Yes. As always, we'd love you to submit, this part's correct now, submit your questions, thoughts, reviews for next week's film in the YouTube comments section, send us a DM on Instagram, or, you know, join the Discord. Do, do join the Discord, but don't, you know, you can also still write comments on YouTube as well. Yeah, so, if you feel like it. Like, like Fitzy didn't, I almost forgot it. This week, we're asking you, what is your favourite video game based on a movie? Let us know. All right. That's it for this week's episode of the Center Effect podcast. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Fitzy, what are we doing next week? We're doing Scarface, which is apparently on Netflix, Foxtel, and Stan. So, mm. no excuses. So many things. We need a um, you, we need to practice our Scarface impressions. Oh yeah, yeah I can do that. Yeah. Right, good. Say hello. Oh, I think that was like the worst one yet. <laughs> the worst one yet. Like the worst one in human history. It's just in 115 episodes of this show. Holy shit. Come on, man. All right, let's get the hell out of here. Thank you, Liam and Jada, for joining me as always. We'll see you all next time. Do take care. Have a great week and goodbye.